really? Oh, I got 30. We got 30, what, seconds? 35 seconds. So I'll just stand here. for a second but I got this new guitar it's a baritone eight string guitar very interesting huh but here's the thing it's got eight strings of course you gotta you gotta tune it you know and it takes a little while to get it just right in tune uh, and I know you'll be glad to know that I tuned this guitar before I started You know, that's the same thing that we have to do to come into worship. You know, so, so many times we walk into here untuned. We hadn't tuned anything up. We've come in here. Uh, some of you have been fighting with the kids since you got up this morning. You know, get out of bed. You know, how'd you get gum in your hair? You know, oh, man, the car's got a flat tire. i got to change the tire. You know, there's just all sorts of things distract us, you know, and so when we get here, we're not ready, we're not ready, so I want to just take a minute, and I want to invite you to just tune up your heart, to take just a second, and, and say to yourself, okay, I'm ready to hear from God today, you know, we come into this service so many times thinking, what, you know, what am I going to get out of it, you know, what, uh, I, oh Lord, what do you want to, what do you want to say to me today, what do you want to do you know, in me today. And, and, and that's not a bad thing, you know, to, to seek what God's going to do. But really, this service is for God. It's not for us. It's, it's to come in and acknowledge that He is God and we are not. Isn't that awesome? So, um, this song reminds us of that called Come Thou Fount. You know that old hymn? Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, Tune My Heart to Sing Thy Grace. I just want to take just a second. I, I want to just pray. Will you close your eyes? And I'm going to ask you just to right now, just to just draw a bubble around yourself, just thinking, Lord, what do you want to say to me today? Lord, I want to see you today, Lord. I want to hear from you, your Holy Spirit. Talk to my heart through the music. Help me to sing my vo lift my voice and praise you, Lord. Through the sermon, Lord, I pray you'll speak to my heart. And change me into the man or woman of God that you want me to be. Oh, Lord, you are worthy of our praise. You're worthy of my praise. And I want to bless you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand and let's sing together.
can hardly believe that it's time to plan for another vacation Bible school. Last year, we had to cancel because of the uncertainty and unknowns due to COVID-19. As we have learned more about this virus and the vaccine is rolling out, we believe that we can have VBS this year and take precautions to keep everyone safe. We will be requiring masks, social distancing, implementing additional cleaning procedures, and more. We want to plan anticipating that COVID will still be relevant in June, but we can loosen up on our precautions if things get better. So what does this mean? We need your help. VBS needs over 100 volunteers to happen. Vacation Bible School is our largest outreach event inside of our church walls each year. We have many kids come to know Christ through this event and through the efforts of our volunteers every year. If you're a church member, you can volunteer to help with VBS. We need teachers, recreation leaders, snack helpers, and so much more. Stop by the VBS wall in the foyer to see what positions we have available Pick up a form that represents what you might be interested in doing, fill it out, and then drop it in the box. You will be contacted in a few weeks with your assignment. We hope that you will prayerfully consider serving in VBS this year. We are so glad that you have decided to um, worship with us this morning. If you are a guest with us this morning, um, if you wouldn't mind grabbing a um, guest card and filling it out and placing it in one of the boxes um, as you leave worship. Um, for um, those that are um, feel led to give this morning um, financially, um, we are not passing an offering plate because of COVID. However, you can place them in the drop boxes. Um, as you leave, or you can um, give online. So as you saw in the video, it is time for Vacation Bible School, and VBS is my favorite week all year, and I won't lie that I was a little depressed that it had to be canceled last year. So I'm so excited um, for it. So if you're a church member and feel led to volunteer, you can stop by the Vacation Bible School wall to the left of the sanctuary and volunteer. Um, somebody will be out there to assist you after the service. So let's pray together and then continue in worship. God, thank you so much for the privilege to um, come together and worship you um, this Sunday morning, Father. We thank you for everything that you have blessed us with and um, all the many blessings that we have in our lives, Lord. Um, I pray for Vacation Bible School that you would um, provide all the volunteers we need and that you would begin working in the lives of the children who need to hear um, the gospel this year and that they would come to know you. It's in your heavenly name I pray. Amen. Will you stand and let's sing this song together. There was Jesus. Every time I tried to make it on my own Every time I started to stand and start to fall And 
And all those lonely roads that I have traveled, there was Jesus. When this life I built came crashing to the ground, when the friends I had were nowhere to be found, I couldn't see it then, but I can see it there was Jesus in the waiting in the searching in the healing and the hurting like a blessing buried in the broken pieces every minute every moment of where I've been and where I'm going even when I didn't know it I couldn't see This man who needs amazing kind of grace For forgiveness at a price I couldn't pay Oh, I'm not perfect, so I thank God every day Well, there was Jesus There was Jesus In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing In the valleys, in the shadows of the alleys, in the fire, in the flood, always is and always Good. 
Lord, we come before you this morning singing of your goodness, singing of who you are, and praying, Lord, that somehow our worship could put a smile on your face, Lord. Lord, it's all about you. It's not about us. all about you. And Lord, if we've come into this place and we have worshiped you, then we have done our job. Lord, we do ask something from you. That is that you will touch our hearts, that you will fill our hearts and our minds and our thoughts with the mind and heart of you, Lord, that we may be more like you. I pray for Dr. Cox as he comes and brings your message, Lord, that you'll just fill him with your Holy Spirit and speak to us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. It's good to see you today. Good worship with you. I want to take just a moment to look ahead to next Sunday. We'll be celebrating the Lord's Supper next Sunday, and we're still doing it, I'm afraid, pandemic style. So I want to just uh, tell you about that in case you weren't here the last time we celebrated the Lord's Supper. When you come in the double doors next Sunday, there'll be a deacon there, and they'll offer you a little sandwich bag that has a self-contained cup and a piece of bread in it. So that's a little different than in the past, so I want you to be aware of that. And so what you'll need to be ready to do is just tell that deacon how many you need for your family. Lord's Supper is uh, an ordinance that Jesus has commanded us to follow for believers. After you've been baptized, that's the initial uh, 
way of sharing your faith, then the renewal of that covenant is through the Lord's Supper. And so you just tell that deacon, I need three for my family or two for whatever. If you're not yet a believer, we're happy for you to come and observe and to worship with us. Uh, but that's for a renewal of covenant of believers. If you have children who are not yet old enough to have accepted Christ and haven't been baptized, and I would encourage you not to have them participate. We want that to be special. We want that to be something after they've come to know Christ that they make that covenant renewal. So just want to give you a little heads up about that, uh, that you'll be aware next Sunday in case you're new. And why are they offering me a sandwich when I come into the church here? So you'll know what that's about. And then let me say to those of you who may be watching us on our church website, we realize there's still a lot of folks who uh, are not able to be here in person. And I understand we're not live this morning. We apologize for that, but you'll be on our Facebook page later and on our website. And so if you're watching from home and not able uh, yet to worship with us, if you will contact me, you'll email me, or you'll call our church office this week, we'll bring you, tell us how many you need, we'll bring you these elements for the Lord's Supper so that you can uh, worship with us and participate in it where you are. We'd be happy to do that, and we're glad that you're a part of that. I've been sharing this month a series of sermons entitled Change. We've been looking at how we can change some things in our lives. Spent three weeks in Romans about how to change unwanted behaviors. Looked last week at how to change the character of our relationships, the way we inter interact with other people. And today, I'm going to finish this series. We want to look at how do I change unwanted thoughts and emotions. So, maybe you're a worrier. And you worry. You know, I, I know I shouldn't worry so much. How do I not worry? How do I change that? Maybe you have lustful thoughts. Maybe you have fears. You say, I'm just, I'm always afraid. And I don't want to be like that. How can I not be so afraid? Maybe you struggle with discouragement or depression or moodiness. How do I overcome those things, those thoughts and emotions that that just pull me down. Maybe you're restless and discontent and you know you shouldn't be that way. Maybe you're unhappy. How do you change unwanted thoughts and emotions? Well that's what we want to look at today in a passage in Philippians 4. I believe that there is therapeutic power in the Word of God. I believe that God's Word written in the Bible is for our benefit and can change us. Now I believe that uh, some people who have deep emotional or mental problems may need counseling, may need um, medication from a doctor, and a Christian should not feel bad about using any of the resources that God has given us to help with mental health or emotional health. But let me say to you, you'll never come to wholeness if you ignore the spiritual part of your life. Because you were created for a relationship with God. And no matter how much counseling you get or how much medication, even though those can be good things from God, good gifts, if you ignore this spiritual part of your life, you'll never find the wholeness that God wants. So I want to encourage you, if you're dealing with any unwanted emotions or thoughts, to really listen to this passage. Now, we're going to look at six things here, so I have to go over them pretty quickly, just a couple of minutes on each of these six. And just going through this once will not accomplish the change that is needed in your thoughts. Thoughts and emotions are stubborn, right? They're deep within you. They're hard to change. 
And so what I want to recommend to you, if you're dealing with worry or lust or discouragement or depression or any of these things, I want to encourage you to meditate on this passage, to marinate in it over and over. You know, you ever marinated something you're going to cook? You ever soak it in the refrigerator for a while, maybe overnight, maybe a couple of days, that it soaks up the flavors around it? You need, to, you need to read this passage over and over. You need to marinate in it, soak in it, meditate on it for it to work. I have sometimes when people have come to me with problems in their thought life or their emotions, I have often recommended this passage. This is my prescription that you read it every day for a month. Because again, these emotions are difficult to change. But if you'll meditate on this, let this be your Bible reading. These verses that we're going to look at today, if you're struggling with some things, do it every day for a month. Just over and over. And I believe that gradually God can work change in you through his word. I challenge you to consider doing that if you're struggling with unwanted thoughts and emotions. Well, let's dive in. Let's look at these. We're going to see five quick commands and then an example, six things that he tells us here. Number one, the first thing that you can do to change unwanted thoughts and emotions is find your joy in the Lord. Let me read to you Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. You can cultivate an attitude of joy. The Bible tells you here to rejoice. And then in case you didn't get it the first time, he said, I'll say it again, rejoice. Twice in this one verse, he gives us his command. In the book of Philippians, there are just four chapters, 16 times the word joy or rejoice occurs. This is the key word to this little book. Now, what's amazing is this is one of the prison letters of Paul. This is one of the four letters that Paul wrote while he was in chains. It says in Philippians 1.13, I am in chains. I think it fits into the book of Acts at the very end where Paul made it to Rome. He was under house arrest so people could come see him, but he was literally chained up. And yet he says, be joyful throughout this book. And here he says it twice. The theme of Philippians is you can be happy in a hard place. Maybe you're in a hard place. But that does not have to dominate your outlook and your attitudes and your thoughts. The Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. So in any circumstance, even in prison, and you, I realize you may be going through a tough time. This pandemic's been tough. So in the word where it says always, put the word in the pandemic. Rejoice in the Lord in the pandemic because that falls within always, doesn't it? So it says rejoice. Now here's the key. Rejoice in the Lord. So here's the key, is that you find your deepest joy in the Lord. How could Paul find joy in prison? Because his joy was not in his personal freedom, but it was in the Lord. What is really in your life, in that word, what do you really rejoice in? Maybe you rejoice in the weekend. And I hear a lot of people who live that way. Thank God it's Friday, TGIF. And hump day is that day where it's almost halfway. And you you rejoice, but when it's not the weekend... You're grumpy, you're not very happy because your joy is in the weekend. Or maybe your joy is in a relationship. And oh, you're just giddy when you're in this relationship. But then when you're out of a relationship, you're not because your joy is misplaced. Oh, we ought to thank God for all the blessings. Maybe your joy is in a purchase. Oh, I can't wait till I buy that. Rejoice in, fill it in the blank. But you see, in all of those, your deepest joy needs to be in the Lord because those things are going to change in your life. And would you seek your deepest joy? 
even though you're thankful for all of God's good gifts, relationships, and thankful for the weekend. I love the weekend. But would you find your joy in the Lord? I know Christ. My identity is in Him. I am going to heaven. That is my deepest joy. Number two, you want to change your thoughts and emotions. Build a reputation for gentleness. Verse 5, build a reputation for gentleness. Let your gentleness be evident to all. So that's how you're known. Now you say, what does that have to do with uh, my thought life, my emotional life? Well, relationships are a big source of stress. It's what keep you up at night. And if you'll cultivate a gracious, that's what the word means, or gentle or non-abrasive spirit, maybe it's your relationships that's messing up your mood. And maybe in those relationships, you need to cultivate gentleness, and that's going to that's gonna change your thought life. He says at the latter part of verse 6, or, or the latter part of verse 5, the Lord is near. That's the motivation for it. Some of these things don't matter. You see the context of this passage, if you read the first four verses of Philippians chapter 4, there were two women in the church at Philippi that were not getting along, and Paul names them by name. Wouldn't you have hated to have been there when they're reading this letter for the first time in the church? And Paul says, I encourage Yodia and Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Oh no, they got called out. Relationships are the context of this passage. So Paul, when he comes to your thought life, says, cultivate a spirit of gentleness, non-aggression, non-abrasiveness. Number three, how do you change your thoughts and your emotions? Replace your worries with prayers. Replace your worrying with praying. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. So God says for you that you're not to be anxious. You're not supposed to be worrying. If worrying is dominating your thought life, you're not where God wants you to be. Okay, well then how do I change that? Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So here's what you do. Whenever you start worrying about something, you stop yourself. No, God says not to do this. And you instead begin to pray about it. So whatever, it's a health thing, it's a work thing, it's a money thing, whatever it is, that you, you, and, it's, and it comes into your mind. All those idle times of your life, it just dumb. Well, you stop your mind. Now, you'll have to do this repeatedly. It won't work one time. But if you will do this repeatedly, it will change your thoughts. And you can train your mind not to worry but to pray. So you turn those worries. You're worried about your, your bills, your income. Oh, what do I do? You say, wait a minute. And there are two types of prayer that you pray about them. In this verse, it says, first of all, with thanksgiving and then with petition. So first, when you're worried about something, you thank God for what you already have. Your worry is focusing on the lack or the problem. So first, you say, wait a minute, I'm going to thank God that I, I'm worried about my bills. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I thank God I had food to eat today and I had a bed to sleep in last night. And God, I just want to thank you for that because 
uh, everybody doesn't have that, thank you. Then you petition. You say, but God, this need is real. I've got this this, uh, house payment, this rent that has to be paid. Uh, God, would you provide for me? I'll cooperate with you. I'll do all I can. I'll work. But God, would you help me? That's what you do instead of worrying. Now, you'll, worry will crop back up into your mind again because that's been your habit. That's your pattern. And you, you repeatedly stop yourself, train your mind, talk to yourself out loud if you have to and say, no, I am a Christian. I am not going to worry about this. Instead, I am going to pray. Dear God, thank you for what I have. Here's what I need. And that'll change your outlook. And it says here, In verse 7, and, when you do what it says in verse 6, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it's beyond comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So there is your emotional health, your heart, and your mental health, your mind. It will change your emotions and change your thoughts, and the peace of God will guard, it's a word for a military sentry, God's peace is going to stand guard on your mind that you won't be overcome with worry, but that you'll have peace when you turn your worries into prayers. Number four, the fourth thing that you can do to change unwanted thoughts and emotions is to fill your mind with positive, pure, beautiful things. Now, we're going to see eight words that Paul gives about what you ought to be thinking about. I've tried to summarize them in three that maybe you could remember or jot down. Positive, pure, and beautiful. So you listen to these eight words, maybe you have a better summary of them, but my summary is positive, pure, and beautiful. Verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is, and now he's going to list eight adjectives that describe the kind of things that you ought to be filling your mind with. So what you want to do as we go through this is think about your thought life. What's the stimula? What do you read? What do you watch? What do you look at? Are you filling your mind with these kind of things? Here we go. Finally, brothers, whatever is true. So you don't chase rumors. You fill your mind with what's true. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, majestic, lofty, whatever is right or just, whatever is pure, not dirty or profane, but whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything, and he gives two then to summarize it up, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Or one translation has, let your mind dwell on such things as these. Fill your mind with these. So you've got to direct, if you want to change your thought life and your emotions, what's going into your mind. You say, oh, I'm, uh, I'm afraid all the time. I'm just scared all the time. Well, do you watch a lot of horror movies? Maybe there's some connection. I don't know. But the stuff that goes into your mind affects you. Now, it may be that you say, well, I don't, I'm not putting any dirty, profane things into my mind well that's good but that's not what this verse is saying it's saying is there anything positive going into your mind not just the absence of negative but is there anything beautiful the word of God do you ever read it meditate on it are there do you give your thought life to lofty things or is it just just junk you know maybe it's not it's not dirty it's bad but it's just it's just useless 
you know, I won't, I won't, no, I won't go there. I won't, I won't give you a specific example. You just think about that. It's just useless. Is there anything that is noble, lofty, positive, pure, and beautiful? You direct your mind to those things and it changes you to be those things. Think about what you read, what you watch, what you listen to, the stimuli going into your life. Number five, if you want to change unwanted thoughts and behaviors, put your beliefs into practice. Put your beliefs into practice. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Verse 9 says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Here's how you have peace. So what he's saying here is you need to do something to change your thoughts. Take action to change your thoughts. Put it into practice. He said, you got my example, now you start doing it. Because here's what's happened and happens when you are discouraged or depressed or moody or, or you're fearful. You don't want to do anything. You don't get up. You don't come to church. I just don't feel like going to church. I just don't feel like being with people. I just don't. And you, you know, so your thoughts dominate your actions. What this verse is saying is, okay, you can't change your feelings immediately. Change your actions. Get up and go. Go to church. Get up and do something. Do something for somebody else. Carl Menninger was a Christian psychiatrist, and he used all the best psychiatric practices, but he would also write a prescription for Christians who came to him who were struggling with discouragement or de depression and give them a project to do to volunteer in a homeless shelter or in some kind of charity or in their church because he realized that when you sometimes you're self-absorbed when you're in those moods and you're discouraged and when you get out of that shell and begin to do something it changes your your attitude and you see how blessed you are and you get active in doing something so see it's the other way around that you may have been waiting until you felt better before you volunteer or you come to church or you do anything and what Paul is saying is turn that around and do it even though you don't feel a hundred percent right and it'll change your thoughts so he says whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me put it into practice He's say, giving us an example. Find somebody else in the church, a mature Christian, and just do what they do. Join with them, and that will change your thought life. Paul has given us five commands, and now finally he gives us an example. Learn the secret of being content in any circumstance. Now I'm going to tell you, I'm going to hold off on telling you the secret for just a moment or it wouldn't be a secret. So just hang with me here and we'll get to the secret. Look at verse 10. Paul says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed you were concerned but had no opportunity to show it. Now here's what that means. The letter of Philippians is essentially a thank you note to, from Paul to the church at Philippi for financial assistance that they had sent to him on his missionary journeys he had started this church he was going on now to somewhere else and they had sent him money and this book he's writing one of the main reasons for it is to say thank you he calls it in verse chapter 1 verse 3 thank you for your partnership in the gospel I don't know about you I write a thank you note on one of those little things and says thank you for the gift doesn't sound anything like Philippians I mean this is the best thank you note that's ever been written right here so Paul is saying here I rejoiced, there's our word again, greatly in the Lord, there it is again, I rejoiced in the Lord, 
that at last you renewed your concern for me and, and, and gave this to me. Now he says in verse 11, he wants to make sure he does, they understand that they're not, he doesn't mean that he's fishing for more money. He doesn't mean that he, they're obligated to give to him. So he goes on to say in verse 11, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Have you? Have you learned how to be content whatever the circumstances? Paul said he had. Are you content? You can be regardless of your circumstances. Paul wasn't saying, man, I could be out working for the Lord. I'm sitting here in chains, but he trusted God. He said, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. It's not the same with complacency. Complacency is accepting what you could change. Contentment is accepting what you cannot change. Paul couldn't get out of these chains until the Romans let him out, so he's content there. You, you ought to have some ambition. If you don't, that's complacency, but not restlessness, contentment. Paul said, I've learned the secret of being content. Many of us are not content. I grew up on a farm. We had cows. Cows would stick their head through the barbed wire fence to eat the, the grass on the other side. I saw a cartoon one time that had four fences come together, making like a plus sign, four pastures. Cow in this quadrant had his head through eating the grass in that quadrant. Cow in this quadrant had his head through eating that. Cow in this quadrant had his head through the fence eating there. Cow in this quadrant had his head through eating there. I thought, that's us, isn't it? We want somebody else's house, car, wife, job, fortune, health, don't we? We're discontent. But Paul says, I've learned the secret. He says in verse 12, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry. He said, I can eat at McDonald's. I can eat at a five-star. He said, I've learned the secret. Whether living in plenty or living in want. If your contentment is tied to the circumstances of your life, then you'll live an emotional roller coaster because they're going to change. Have you learned the secret of being content in any and every situation Paul had. Well, what in the world is this secret? Why don't you tell us what it is? Here it is in verse 13. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. The secret of being content in any circumstance is a relationship with Christ. A relationship with Christ. Paul had Christ living within him, and if you have repented of your sin and put your faith in him, you do too. His spirit lives within you, and he, give, he endows you with power from within. And Paul said, I have Christ, and I can do all things. I can be content in any circumstance through him who gives me strength. That's the secret to contentment. I, I want to say to you again, that I believe these six things would help you if you would meditate on them every day, but I want you to see that you cannot do them alone without Christ. The underlying principle here is Christ within you helps you to do these things. It, I read one time a story of a Bedouin, a desert dweller in Saudi Arabia, who had never been to a city. He made his first trip to a city. Uh, his host had him stay in a hotel room. And the thing that fascinated him the most about that hotel room was the water in the bathroom. This 
desert Bedouin who had searched for oasis all his life. Water such a precious commodity. But here he was in a hotel room. And you turn it on and it just flows. And it keeps flowing. Clear, pure, sparkling water. You just turn it on, turn it off. There it is. It's always there. The next morning, the host went to pick up his friend who had stayed in the hotel room. And he found him under the sink taking it loose. He said, what are you doing? He said, I'm taking the sink back to the desert with me so that I will always have this pure, fresh water flowing. He did not understand. The sink won't work without the plumbing. Jesus is the plumbing. You'll never have contentment. You'll never get over your worry. You'll never learn to be gentle. You'll never learn to rejoice. You'll never be able to put it into practice without Jesus. He's the plumbing from which the living water flows. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, right now, would you just call out to him? He's real. He's alive. He's here in this place, and he'll hear you. Would you call on the name of the Lord and say, Jesus, I need help. Jesus, I believe in you. I put my faith in you. I want to follow you. I want you to come into my life. If so, I hope you'll meet me at the Welcome Center after this service. Share that with me. You need to be baptized. I'll answer any questions. We can plan for your baptism. You can begin to follow Jesus. Would you pray together with me? Would you take just a moment as we bow before the Lord for just a second here? Is there anything about your thought life you need to change? Any worries, any lust, any depression, any anger, any moodiness, any fears? Has God said anything to you about your thoughts, your emotions, through the word of God that you would say, oh God, with your help, this is what I will do. And as we end this series, maybe in any of your life, just one more call, would you be content with your circumstances but discontented where you need to change? And would you say, God, in my behavior, in my relationships, in my thoughts and emotions, I want to be like Jesus. I know that will be the best for me. And I ask for your help to change. Oh, God, may the word that we have heard bring the change that you desire. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Will you stand and let's sing this together.
be seated. Amen. Great words today. Uh, those verses in Philippians are ones that I've uh, gone to for much comfort and guidance over the years. So hopefully we can uh, apply those to our lives. A couple of announcements before we go. Uh, Vacation Bible School, you already heard about it, but I want to remind you there on the towards your left, you can go volunteer and uh, grab an opportunity to be a part of VBS uh, this summer. Also, disaster relief. We're getting a team back together for First Baptist. Uh, Tennessee Baptist and Disaster Relief do wonderful work all over the place, helping with needs and uh, chainsaw teams and feeding teams and all sorts of stuff. Uh, there's training coming up, and you've got to be trained uh, to, to be a part of these things. But it's a great ministry. There's information at the Welcome Center, a sign-up sheet. You can grab a, 
a form with more information about how we're going to do this, and it's also in the bulletin about when it's taking place, how you can get there, uh, what's involved. And then also, if you don't get our newsletter and you would like to, uh, there's a sign-up at the Welcome Center as well. You can put your physical address there, and we can mail you a copy, or you can put your email, and you can get one in your inbox each week. I uh, also want to encourage you, if you uh, to get to a connection group here in, uh, in a little bit. If you need help finding one, also at the Welcome Center. So if everybody just heads out that way, you've got lots of opportunities there. And then uh, Wednesday night, uh, we've got uh, great courses. We're wrapping up uh, three courses this week. And then in the next week, we'll be starting three new ones. We'll get more information about that next week and all the newsletter and everything. You know what's coming up there. But thank you for being here. I want to encourage you to uh, do your offerings. Uh, guests, go meet our pastor there at the Welcome Center and uh, see all that we've got going on here at First Baptist. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father God, we thank you so much that you are a God of, of transformation, uh, that you provide peace and comfort uh, in, in times of anxiety and, and uh, in our lives, and uh, that you give us direction and guidance. So help us to uh, lean into that. And uh, we, we ask your guidance. Uh, God, we just pray that the, the things we've experienced this morning in worship and Bible study would just help, help us glorify you uh, all of our days. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.